You have to use your content in the middle of the funnel to demonstrate your authority, your level of thought leadership, certainly your expertise in the space, but most importantly, highlight what really differentiates you. Welcome to the Look Left at Marketing podcast. We continue our content marketing series featuring Look Left founder and principal Brian Scanlon, along with Look Left's head of digital, Matt Raven. Our focus in this episode is aligning content with lead generation. Brian kicks things off with some thoughts on the traditional marketing funnel, then a question for Matt on search engine optimization. Today, we're going to talk about how to align lead generation and content. And I think it makes sense if to add some structure to our conversation is to go to the classic marketing funnel, you know, with a top that is how do you generate interest and attract people? They're the middle where you're moving, you're nurturing them, moving them through, and then eventually to a close. And with the caveat that obviously no funnels are straight lines, they're highly circular, people drop in at all stages and all that sort of common stuff that most marketers know. So in terms of the science side of lead generation, what can search tell us about a potential lead or how to get a lead to a piece of content? You hear me talk about this a lot throughout our series on content marketing, Brian, but you made a great point that a funnel is truly unique to every organization. We really see the customer journey as more of a constellation, right? With bounce points in and out. Uh, And I think what search and science could tell us about that is give us a clue into user behavior uh, and, and what people are searching for and when they're searching for it and what the trend lines are in those topics specific to whatever your organization is is building a thought leadership and content marketing platform around is really key in what we ultimately produce. So I would say that this, like most exercises, uh, really begins with a content strategy that should be backed by keyword research. I think it's important to define who our various user personas or audience personas are and then determine what is important to each of them. And I always like to start that conversation with a simple guiding question. What are the primary challenges that each of these personas has? How does our solution solve each of those unique challenges? And then from there, we can create more of a plan that is mapped around the keywords that we know have strong intent with high search volume and a level of competitiveness that we feel like we can win and own in those spaces in a short period of time. Uh, And in knowing all of that, producing leads through content is a really challenging process, particularly in B2B technology spaces that tend to have tremendously long sales cycles and people come in and out of that funnel, as you mentioned, quite a bit. And so I think that starting with that will help us to map towards being able to make impressions through each stage. We think we understand how people begin their process with research and then move through to consideration and then ultimately transact. But there are very savvy users who may skip the entire first step of the funnel altogether, and we need to be present for that as well. Bottom line, all of this has to be rooted in keyword research to understand that the investments and the content development are smart and strategic. And I also think that you clearly have to understand the audience and particularly how they might buy. So, for example, in the enterprise space, which we really specialize in, a developer 
as buyer is coming into the funnel looking for technical problem solving and quite frankly to download something very quickly to try or to be able to dig into some very meaty stuff on how to do something. And that is completely different than a line of business buyer who is maybe, or say in marketing, who's looking for a way to speed up their website. And what are the, the buttons and levers I might push? Or somebody who's at the beginning of their experience of, I need to buy an HR solution. What's the best HR solution for a company? Those are very different journeys. And and really kind of understanding what content appeals to what audience, I think really matters with some caveats though. Um, I think sometimes people are obsessed with pinpointing the audience. And sometimes it's just not that easy to say, where's the line between an architect and a developer? Where's the line you know, between a line of business person and uh, an operator and a manager? It does get a little fuzzy. So I think that's where the problem comes in. We know people search for solutions to problems. So if you can identify the problem, that's good. In terms of like categories, we sometimes see clients who have a clear category. So say you're a firewall or you're a SQL database. Like th- those are people go in and actually type and look for that in the same way that they look for an SUV or a sports car. But often that can not be the case with like emerging tech or disruptive or transformative technologies. How do you navigate that with the science when your tech might be so new, there actually isn't a lot of science to back up what you're doing? Two things that are really important, the first of which is very tactical. And the undertone of the question is really around category creation, which is a phrase we hear an awful lot about. And it's important for organizations to stay true to brand. And if their technology and their solutions are truly revolutionary against how people typically search for things, they need to stay on that path regardless of what the search data tells us today. That being said, you can't just go out and position your website for technology that nobody fully understands the language around today, because that is, to use a phrase from somebody who asked a question at a a conference I just spoke at, you are building a billboard in the woods. This needs to be seen in some way, shape, or form. And so we can use search to our advantage to position the content that we do create that is a little more niche. It speaks to a tech that isn't yet fully adopted, but use the meta elements on the page to speak the language that people currently do, right? So if we had to put ourselves in an existing category, what would that be? And how can we use some of that terminology on the back end to essentially appease the bots? We need to position this content to be able to capture search activity today so that we can get traffic and educate them about what the technology looks like tomorrow. So that's the tactical piece of it. The more artistic side of it is that you should really lean into communities. You use developers as an example earlier. I would say that 90% of the buying, purchasing decisions are being made based on influences at the peer-to-peer level with developers. And so if we're not leaning into third-party websites and online communities to understand what exactly those pain points are and the challenges that these people are experiencing in their daily work, we are never going to be capable of positioning content that ultimately speaks their language, 
solves their problems and hopefully makes a strong enough impression where down further in the funnel, they convert with us. There's a little bit of a blend of art and science there, but I think when you really tackle that challenge, it's important to, to do both of those things. The top of the funnel or the beginning of the journey is the broadest brush possible and it's attraction. So you, you kind of have to fish in ponds that are in streams that are already stocked, right? So to your point, okay, there may not be a community, uh, community around this brand new technology that might be a new category, but that technology does not live in isolation. It has to, it solves a problem, which we talked about, but it also connects to other technologies. And those technologies have communities. For example, in data architectures, there's all kinds of new technology coming, coming out, but data architectures have been established for decades. And there are like stocked ponds and streams to go fishing in and say, oh, this is how we connect to this. This is how we make that technology better and kind of just, you know, uh, you know, kind of magnetize yourself to, to attract these other communities, even though they might not be the first perfect fit for you. But again, you're fishing with a net or, you know, early on. So you're getting everything in that net and you can worry about sorting it out kind of later. That's a really good point. I think it's part of what I heard that struck a chord with me was in category creation or emerging technology, don't forget to acknowledge and look very closely at partners and or integrations because there is likely a blueprint for success. Uh, and a lot of those audiences will cross over. And that's probably something that people fail to do quite a bit uh, because they already feel like they have a close relationship with those organizations and therefore with those audiences. But there's probably an awful lot to learn. So that's a really good point. Yeah. And, and you know, we see this, this, I mean, this is a more fundamental problem, but uh, you know, if, if you don't have a clear product market fit, you need to understand that you're in, you're exploring. So you're going to have to fish in a couple of streams and a couple of ponds based on what you've learned from the search science from experts like analysts and, and other folks, your early adopters, but also just doing the research. We did a messaging project for one of our clients where we, we interviewed uh, more than a dozen VPs of infrastructure on edge projects and we asked them what their top concerns were, you know, the problems, which is one of the lenses that you really need to, to use at the, at, well, all stages of the funnel. And it was remarkably consistent. So it provided this like instant checklist of they care about these three things. You could then say, oh, they cared, they cared, for example, about network security was the top item. Uh, if you look at network security, then how do we build, you know, something just off of that? What does search tell us about that? What is, and I, you know, because I think, so, you know, sometimes uh, the technology, you know, it really needs to, to align to that problem and, you know, and ask questions about that. You know, I think the analysts are often, the good analysts are often overlooked as a resource. You could ask them, you know, very simply, what do you get the most inquiries on in my space? That tells you exactly what to write for the top of the funnel. It's already proven. These are established buyers. They spend money on experts and they're asking the experts that question. So that means search will probably instantly tell you that they're searching for it. You know, a media search, you know, a, you know, a Google search, a media search will instantly tell you if there's any traction on it. But, you know, you, you can take some of these like, you know, shortcuts and based on this, all of these data points and really build that, that top of funnel. And, and also, you know, there's some very basic structures like in, I would say, the less complex end of enterprise tech, 
things like listicles can continue to work really well and basic how-tos and one-on-ones if they're not already saturated, right, with search. If there's already like a hundred of them, then why bother? But, you know, being able to do that. That's the top of the funnel. So content for lead gen, you know, is it's all about just big net fishing, <laughs> just attracting all a lot at the at the top of the funnel. Then there's that squishy middle, which is the process where, you know, people are spending time with you. Um, but also maybe they're not spending time with you because all the data shows that a lot of companies will come in and, you know, in that net and then they won't talk to you for a while. They they kind of just spend a lot of time with your stuff before they interact with a human. When I think of the middle of the funnel, I think of two words, consideration and evaluation, right? Which I think are true with, with what you just said. And typically what happens here from a marketing point of view is users are researching different types of solutions within a category. As a result of that, organizations need to think more about and lean into comparison-based content that, that tends to work really well. I would encourage anybody when brainstorming, okay, how do we solve for this weird squishy middle? Because it's not exactly educational top of funnel attraction. It's certainly not conversion. Think about the fact that your audience is attempting to evaluate if you and or your competitors are the right fit for them. With 100% certainty, they are going to be on your website and they're also going to be on your top two or three competitors. And you have to use your content in the middle of the funnel to demonstrate your authority, your level of thought leadership, certainly your expertise in the space, but most importantly, highlight what really differentiates you. When I think of types of content that perform really well in the middle, that often get underutilized, I think about case studies, right? The more industry specific, the better. I think this is where white papers start to come into play. Certainly these can be top of funnel, but if they're really, really specific and they're, they compare various types of solutions, they can be valuable in the middle of the funnel. I think your website is an incredible asset here, but more of the use case solution based pillar pages. And then, you know, we certainly think about webinars and email newsletters, the more traditional assets. When I was preparing for this and thinking about it, stuck out to me that I don't think a lot of people talk about in the middle of the funnel is product or software reviews that tend to come from party sources that are a little bit less of a controlled media vehicle. We can't always highlight the best and or the worst in those situations. But if you're not thinking about reviews and how peers are managing or discussing your your solutions, then I think you're missing a big opportunity uh, because they are going to, once again, the, the point that we made about community-based content earlier, they are going to be looking away from your site, away from your social platform, away from your influencer strategy to really make a decision. And so if you're not incentivizing those reviews, if you're not finding creative ways to really let your customer tell your story, you may be missing a significant opportunity to generate leads because that's where a lot of the influence is going to happen. So that was a really important point for me to make because I think it's a big opportunity that sales and marketing teams miss quite often. The notion about reviews is really true and it's changed dramatically. Uh, you know, so with my PR hat on, reviews is like, oh, I sent the product into the lab and they're going to review it. Those basically almost don't exist at all anymore for enterprise uh, companies. I mean, you they certainly do for your MacBook or your, your phone or your camera, you know, more all consumer-oriented tech. That certainly happens. And what has really happened is the reviews are now actually end users talking about their experience. 
So that might be like on GitHub, you know, how many stars do you have? Who downloaded Gardner peer reviews? Almost like a Yelp review for enterprise tech. It's really gone to this more community oriented review. And the other thing is you can self review. That sounds ridiculous out of the gate. Like, oh, we reviewed our own product and it did great. Shocker, right? Like, there you go. But things like benchmarks that are done in conjunction with third parties or partners, like maybe you've done a benchmark in an environment like AWS or Azure or or something like that, or hired Forrester to do an evaluation that talks about an ROI. Uh, now, granted, they, they're coming from you. So there is a slight bit of skepticism. But once you publish the methodology and, you know, someplace like Forrester has a clear methodology, you know, a benchmark with AWS that has their name on it is going to follow a, a methodology that can really, I think, satisfy that first hurdle of particularly the merging tech. A, does this stuff even work? B, is it too good to be true? Which we often hear for groundbreaking technology, like, no, you really don't do that. Like, that's impossible. Yes, we do. And it's like, no. I've been trying to do that for years. Well, that's why it's a breakthrough, right? That whole thing emerges. You know, the other thing is that you could provide developers and buyers what I would call like trial runs. Now, it's a classic seeding strategy for companies to say, try before you buy. Classic right? for consumers and, and, and developers. But one of our clients has basically a, a cutting edge new open source streaming graph technology. So it's a new category. There's no and or buts about that. But when we launched, there were a dozen or so developers who had built recipes on top of the platform that solved a problem. So it kind of showed the application of the technology in many different ways. And it allowed people to say, oh, I can pull down this recipe and I can start cooking pretty quickly, just like you would when you get that new pan from Amazon. Chances are it comes with a recipe on it, right? Like they're trying to get you to to do something with it with it quickly. And I just think that that's, that's a brilliant strategy and it shows the technology at work and it starts building community. And it turns out that it is all wonderful content for the funnel, particularly the middle of the funnel and for developers that, that would arguably maybe even be top of funnel. You've been listening to Brian Scanlon and Matt Raven with the latest installment in our series on content marketing. Brian and Matt will continue this discussion on aligning content with lead generation in our next episode. To check out the previous content marketing programs and our other podcasts, please visit www.lookleftmarketing.com. If you haven't already, we invite you to subscribe to the Look Left at Marketing series on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future episodes as well. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Till next time, be well.